Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. By doing different things in your life, you're making your life longer. If you work the same job for 40 years and every week looks more or less the same, have you lived 40 years or did you just live the one week? Listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now, your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, it's Jason here with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. And don't forget, if you haven't signed up over at zerototravel.com yet, you can grab our free audio course, The Three Best Ways to Save Money for Travel. It's an audio file you can only get on zerototravel.com. You'll also be joining our community and staying updated on the various workshops and things we have going on. As a matter of fact, I'm giving a workshop tonight all about how traveling can be cheaper than living at home and more fulfilling. So all kinds of stuff going on over there. You can only find out about it off the podcast if you sign up over on the website. So check that out. Today's show contains some incredibly powerful strategies to help you bend time in your favor. And look, who isn't searching for more time, wanting to create more time for yourself? And if you think, well, time's a static thing. I can't really create more. You may come away from this show having a different perspective. And time seemed to be the theme that ran through this entire interview. But during the course of our conversation, a lot of other stuff came out. We talked about some of the benefits of slow travel. We get into a financial discussion around money, why my guest today looks at money as time, and how our relationship with money can be improved We talk about his gig as a cultural ambassador in Spain, how that all came about, some of the perks of human-powered travel and longer-term adventures, and so much more. It's happening in just a moment. Before we get into it, I wanted to let you know to stick around after the interview because I have a little story to tell you about time. My wife was in the city the other day where we live in Oslo. She met a 95-year-old woman, and I was thinking about the conversation they had that she shared with me and how it relates to this episode and time. And I got a little something to share with you. So stick around for that. Of course, we're going to have a quote and a shout out to somebody in the Zero to Travel 
caravan, this amazing listening community that you're part of. That's all happening after the interview. So please stick around for that. And before we get into the interview, one last thing. Thank you to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga will take you to a page with all of the backpacks and gear that I recommend from them. And you can get 10% off just for being a listener of this show. If you enter the promo code TRAVEL when you check out, there's a promo code box there. Just type in the word TRAVEL. You'll get 10% off anything you order and you'll also be supporting this podcast because I'm an affiliate for them because I love their stuff. So thank you. I'll tell you a really quick story. I was out sailing the other day for the very first time. And as soon as I helped my buddy roll up the sails, I had an instantly familiar feeling because the Outbreaker and the home base collections from Tortuga are made from durable, waterproof sail cloth technology adapted for travel. It's awesome. So when I'm using my Outbreaker day pack, nothing inside gets wet because it's made out of sail cloth. It's an incredible material that they've, again, adapted to a travel backpack. So really unique stuff. Check them out. Again, zerototravel.com slash Tortuga, promo code travel. Don't waste your time doing all the research. Just get these backpacks. And thanks again to them for supporting this show and this podcast for many years. So here we go. My conversation with Shane, Dylan. I'll see you on the other side of my friends. Enjoying the luxuries of a hotel for the first time in like three weeks. <laughs> Enjoying the luxuries of a hotel? Yeah. Where, where have you been? I've been hiking the Camino de Santiago. Oh, man. That sounds sweet. Yeah, so <laughs> How's that going? Oh, my God. Harder than I expected. In what way? But uh, So the last two summers, I've been doing bike tours. And hiking with a backpack on your shoulders, it's a whole different beast. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know, hiking seven hours a day, you, there's just nothing you can do to prepare for it. Your feet hurt, your back hurt. Whereas when you're on a bike, all of your weight's carried on your bike. So it's just, you know, it's fun and you're free and you're flying down the road and you can actually get places. What about those hills <laughs> though, man? The biking up those hills with all that stuff can't be easy. You avoid those. <laughs> on a bike, you have more of like the ability to like go around them. Whereas hiking, today I actually got into some mountains. It was it was pretty rough. So, so you're building I, up that the... core strength, man, with all that uh, backpack weight, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a new appreciation for people that do the PCT and the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, like those guys are beasts. That's it's. It's an accomplishment to hike for, you know, five or six months. I was in maybe the best shape of my life when I did a bunch of backpacking in South America and Patagonia. And I think it was just because I was carrying backpack weight and hiking all the time. And my core just got yeah. strong, you know, it's like, wow, yeah. I can, I feel like just tight, you know, um, don't feel so tight right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting when you go on these long journeys how you you can feel your body change. That's true. Like when I was cycling across the United States, there was a point where I was just like, "All right, I'm a machine now." Like it's not about the distance I'm going; uh, it's more about like the heat. You know, can I can I stay out of the heat to to prolong my journey? Um, right. Well, I mean, that's one of the coolest things about 
human powered travel in that way, right? Yeah. Like biking, hiking, walking, taking a walk even into town or whatever when you'd normally drive where you live. It's uh I don't know, it, you you do something good for your body and now of course also with climate change and everything, you're certainly doing a yeah. better job as a traveler by not contributing to yeah. that. Of course you had to get there, but Yeah, you start to realize your your body's the vehicle. It's the machine and your brain is the computer. Like you, you have that feeling when you're when you're, you know, on these six, seven hour hikes or ten hour bike rides, you like start to like come to these conclusions like, my body's just the vehicle to get me to the place that this brain wants it to go. <laughs> That's true. And and something, I mean, I'm a little bit older and I'm I'm not sure how old you are, but I've been thinking like, hey, I'm still, you know, I'm physically healthy. I got my health. So like what physical things should I be doing? It's never always guaranteed, right? I mean, at any age, but the body just breaks down and your mind hopefully doesn't in that way. So you want to do certain things, travel related and physically. And to combine those things sooner than later is probably a better approach, I guess. I'm, I'm just talking out loud and thinking out loud, you know? Yeah. And I, th- I think the more physical activities you do, I think by design, you know, your, your vehicle, your mind's going to be healthier for a longer time. Yeah. So it's, it's, and that's going to enable you to carry this on for, for a longer period or for the rest of your life. I love combining travel and physical activity. I mean, I love, everybody kind of curates their travels differently. You never know what the experience is going to be, but you know when you go into something like hiking the Camino de Santiago that you're going to be hiking all day. It's going to be this journey. Like you can kind of visualize what those elements are going to be, even though you can't know exactly what the experience is going to be like. Incorporating some kind of like physical activities or outdoor activities is, I think it's such a great thing to do to get to know a place, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was just talking to a to a friend earlier and we we're talking about because we've been living in spain and we're both teachers here and we we're talking about at one point travel stops being about how many countries you visit and more about the experience you know it's like there's so much to see in spain i, I don't need to spend thousands of dollars to travel you know to the other side of europe or to another continent like i'm here i should take advantage of the time that i have in spain no, that's true. And it's something to think about, I think, especially with climate change and everything like that, is we, I think as travelers, we do need to have more of an awareness about our contribution to that. That's a deep topic. And we're, we're not going to cite a bunch of scientific facts right now because I can't. I don't have them <laughs> at the top of my mind. Yeah. But I do know that we make an impact as travelers. And I mean, there's a time in my life where, especially when I was younger in the beginning, when I started traveling, I'm just like, I just wanted to run around and just see everything. It was like, kid in the canyon. So, oh my God, I'm going to go here. I want to go this. I want to be like this. What's this like? Oh, I got to know. I got to know. I got to know. I got to set my foot on this soil. Can you imagine if we would have had, I'm 38 by the way. Yeah, so okay. I, um, but can you imagine if we would have had cell phones when we first started traveling? Like <laughs> how much trouble would have gotten into? Oh, I'm yeah. so glad <laughs> I, I, did, so, I lived oh a lot of my travel life before uh, cell phones. It is a blessing and a curse, but it's way too easy to use it as like the ultimate crutch, right? You can say, oh, I'm just going to use it for Google Maps. I'm just going to use it for Google Translate. I'm just going to use it for this and that. And then all of a sudden it adds up to you picking it up like every hour, half hour, 10 minutes, whatever, to use it all the time. When you don't have that option, it's, I mean, it does change the travel experience, right? 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. Is this like a, a getting away from that for you? Is that something you're making no, conscious no. effort? No, you know, I, honestly, I listen to podcasts and Spanish lessons and music. It's a music. great thing. Blessing and a curse, right? <laughs> yeah. I take it as a, like an opportunity to learn. Right. If I'm going to be out hiking for six or seven hours, like this is a chance for me to learn things that I've not had time to, you know, the last year or so. Yeah. On the flip side, like by hiking for seven hours with no entertainment is an opportunity to learn too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. In a different, in a much different way, I think. Yeah. By the way, is this being recorded or? Oh yeah, this is the thing. Sorry, we're recording right now. This is the thing. It's (laughs) happening. I'm do. I'm rolling with it this way. I don't want to miss any of these fun pre-travel. Yeah, I should say I'm talking to Shane (laughs) Dillon, who, uh, wrote a book while bicycling across Europe. We're going to talk about that and you can check out his website, the Franklin fee, the Franklin Fi. the Franklin Fi. Oh yeah. The Franklin Fi.com. Sorry. F I it's, it's kind of a play on words, financial independence, financial intelligence. I love the tagline, a personal finance adventure. You don't usually see <laughs> adventure coupled with a uh, personal finance. Anyway, I'm sorry, man. I, I did. I should have mentioned I was recording, but th- I mean, can't miss this travel gold, you know? <laughs> you know? Oh, no problem. Yeah, I mean, not a problem. just coming into the hotel from the Camino de Santiago, people got to know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually took an easy day today. I hiked 20 kilometers. And as soon as I got on the trail, it was straight uphill and then straight downhill. <laughs> it, it turned out to be one of the hardest days, um, but less less kilometers, yeah. I think the downhill's worse in some ways. Oh. Right? Do you have hiking sticks or? No, um, I have not gotten into hiking sticks. Um, I love them, a huge fan. Yeah. I, I, I should try them out for sure. Well, they're great when you're carrying a backpack, you know? Yeah. All right, I'm looking at this list of things that you have going on, things you've done. Me bicycle across Europe, covering 12 countries, wrote a book while cycling across Europe. That's, that's I want to hear about that for sure. Exhibited artwork in the Louvre. I'm going to just go down to the bottom of your life story here and go back to your finance career, I guess. I mean, you had a career in finance. Is that right? Yeah. So I grew up in Southern Illinois. And my dad was a coal miner. My mom, she was a soil scientist and worked with farmers. So I grew up in coal mine country. And then I went to the University of Missouri for college and studied finance. And my first job out of college was on a trading floor in San Francisco. And I worked as a broker for a few years there in San Francisco. So why did you go into finance? What made you, what was the pull? At that point in your life, you're influenced by others and friends that were a year or two older than me were studying business and they, they kind of directed me that way. I'm very mathematically driven. Um, I'm kind of, you know, an introverted, creative mathematical person and business was the logical decision. And, and I'm thankful that I had the experience. You know, it, it put me on a path to um, improve my relationship with money, to understand it, and to, you know, help me to get to the point that I'm at now living abroad in, in Spain. Was there a, a kind of a spark of thought around living abroad, traveling, and those 
types of things in college? Did that come later? When did that happen for you? I studied abroad in the Netherlands in college, and that was the first time I'd ever traveled outside of the United States. Okay, you did a study abroad thing. I, yeah, and I fell in love with travel then. Cause, you know, living in the Netherlands, uh, you're centrally located in Europe, and I think I traveled, I don't know, four or five countries over that semester. Yeah, and that got you hooked. Oh, yeah. And then after a few years of working in finance, I, I didn't feel like working in finance was my calling. I felt like I was just going to work to fight over money and I, it was, it wasn't fulfilling, you know, like money's important in life. It's, uh, you need to understand it and find your balance with money, but I, it, it, it wasn't, it's not something that drives my life. So after a few years in finance, I took off and traveled South America. I call it my quarter life crisis. So I, Backpacked South America for a year uh, with my fly rod, and and fished along the way. Yeah, it was it was a fun trip. Um, so that kind of rekindled um, my my excitement for travel and learning languages and and seeing the world. So after the study abroad thing, and then you you start working on the in San Francisco as a broker. You were on the trading floor, like the whole thing with all the people going crazy and. That whole oh, thing yeah. is that uh, yeah what what are they doing down there? <laughs> I so, mean, there's a lot of running around and papers and <laughs> it shows exactly. you how much so, I know about how the financial so yeah, markets. You work. have you have the trading like the New York Stock Exchange, which is the actual open cry, um, you know, people buying and selling and filling out papers, and then also you know each investment bank or uh, each investment bank will have a trading floor that will be calling into the New York Stock Exchange to to place trades. So you have other kind of like satellite trading floors within each major bank. Yeah, got it. Yep. And you were in San Francisco. What an awesome city to live. I, mean, I always um, wanted to have the experience of living in San Francisco. How did you like living there? When I first arrived, it was to me like the authentic san francisco like each neighborhood was you know the mission was the mission and hate ashbury still kind of had some of the hippie vibes yeah and i guess i'm there. thinking back in time to the times i've been there but it has changed a lot right <laughs> changed a lot it's beautiful it's i mean to this day i still say it's the most beautiful city that i've ever traveled or lived in it's it's a really beautiful city well driving cross country for the first time i was reading Sounds so cliche, reading on the road by Jack Kerouac and then getting to San Francisco and going to City Lights bookstore and just feeling like somehow I had the spirit of like the beats in me and being there in that physical location. It's just, uh, yeah, I'll just never forget that feeling, right? I felt like that, you know, every, every traveler's had those moments where you just feel like you can always feel this freedom of the road, but then there's like this extra kind of, uh, and what a great book. It's just a stream of thought, um, just line after line, like just, just not caring about grammar, not caring about you know, structure, him just putting his thoughts down. Yeah, it's a, that's a fantastic book. It's like me without the talent. It's <laughs> <laughs> something else. I'm sure on something else. <laughs> All right. So you had the study abroad experience and then you're working on the floor. And I mean... You fell in love with travel, that got you hooked, but then 
did you kind of go into practical mode? You're like, all right, well, the travel part of my life's done. Or were you always thinking, hey, like maybe I can travel the world again? Like what was there ever a struggle there for you? Or did you just kind of go? It's interesting in life, you kind of have chapters. And I think it was important for me to have my chapter in finance. It was important for me to take off and travel to South America. And then when I returned uh, from South America, I took a job as an intern on a vineyard in Northern California. I lived up in Sonoma County for the last 11 years. And I worked for the same vineyard and basically climbed the ladder. When I left, I was the vice president of the company. And that that was the next chapter of my life. You know, it was falling falling in love with wine and being passionate about learning. And I went back to school and got my MBA with an emphasis in the wine industry. And you know, that that opened more and more doors. And that that's what I love about learning, you know, finding these these topics like finance and wine, that the more you learn, the more you realize you don't really know all that much about it. And it just it's just pulls you in and you, and you fall in love with it. Um, so that was the next chapter. But then towards the end of my, my run at the winery, I, I just felt like I was starting to repeat the same day over and over. Like I'd fallen into this rhythm that really wasn't fulfilling. Uh, alcohol, selling alcohol kind of, you know, it, it's a drag. It's when, when you're around alcohol every day, I've done it, it. takes the fun out. I worked. I worked for yeah. a liquor distributor. That was like my last sort of regular job. Yeah, it's it, it takes the fun out of going out and having beers with friends, and you know it's like it's Tuesday morning and I'm sitting with the winemaker t- tasting you know ten barrel samples of Cabernet and this is not fun. <laughs> like that's horrible. After <laughs> you know, like that, you could actually get to that point. That's that's an amazing experience for anybody to have. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, mine weren't my as mine weren't as good as that. I mean, we were having like a general sales meeting, and I'd be having to taste like the latest flavored vodka at t- nine in the morning yeah. or something. And I remember being in my very first one. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is so corporate, and I'm not. This is not me because I was doing outside sales, and I hadn't have a job like this before. And I remember my buddy who worked there who lived in Boulder. He, he turned around and he mouthed to me, "Drink everything." because i didn't know we were going to be in this long dark room like the entire day you know um getting all these samples and it was pretty boring but i think it was pretty funny Um, so you you worked for a distributor i worked for a distributor yeah i'm like you the element of like learning about it and understanding it and it being such a part of the culture and understanding the processes and how it's created and you know particularly wine with how it's connected with the earth and the, the trying to get into the taste and everything like that. But then when it came down to it, just selling alcohol didn't feel like a good thing for me to be doing with my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, th- I think you and I both got to a place in our lives where it's like, what's the purpose of our job and what's the purpose of our life? You know, what, what direction are we taking our life? If, if it's short and so special that, you know, consciousness has never existed, this planet might be the only one out there. And I'm going to spend the next 40 years selling you know, alcohol. <laughs> That's kind of where I got with with the process. And, and it was like it was like time to to expand my thought process and to see to see the world and to, to find something new to learn. And that for you came in the form of another trip. 
Yeah. So, um, towards the end of my career in the wine industry, I you know started reading a lot of travel books and kind of self-help books. I started listening to podcasts. That's when I first got turned on to you, Jason. I, I, I guess it's been going on four or five years that I've listened to your podcast. Oh, wow. Thanks. And, um, yeah. Thank you. And living in uh, Northern California, everybody cycles. So I was doing a lot of uh, road cycling at the time. And I, I'll never forget listening to your Epic Bike Week and hearing the interview with Alistair Humphreys and George Mahood and thinking, wow, these guys went on a an adventure with a bicycle and I can do the same. Like I, I like cycling and I can incorporate that with traveling. So from that moment on, I started planning my my escape, if you want to call it that. It took probably six to 12 months for me to fully come to terms with what my next chapter in life was going to be. Um, and then eventually I put in my notice and I started cycling across the country. Cycled from Florida to California, correct? Yeah, I, uh, I made the mistake of thinking that it was a good idea to go as far away from home as possible and mm. cycle back home. <laughs> um, I, my, my theory was that I couldn't turn around if I started in Florida <laughs> and cycled to California. Now, why was that but a mistake? High, because the winds blow from west to east. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. Whole, the whole time. <laughs> I was cycling from east to west. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. you live and you learn (laughs) how long did that take that took about three months i zigzagged um up and down and how was i mean you know after like you said being inspired by hearing some of the stories of other people doing epic bike trips and things like that and then going on your own how did you think that lived up did you anticipate that that is what the experience was going to be how did it differ in yeah I, I don't think i don't think there was anything that i could do to prepare for being on the road for three months and it's it's like one long meditation you're just constantly in the flow state so you're you know you're sleeping out in in the woods most nights i'd wild camp and i would wake up at you know six or seven with the sunrise and be on the road from seven until you know eight at night and then you kind of start looking for a place to sleep around eight o'clock as you know as the sun's going down. So you're you're living in nature, you know, twenty four hours a day. The like mental side is what you can't prepare for. You you have more time than you've ever had in your life, and your creative side really starts to come out. And you start to figure out like this is how I'm wired, and this is who I am. This is the direction I should be going with my life. Whereas before, when you're you're working, you're nine to five or you're nine to seven, you never stop to think about what you're doing with your life. You're just constantly filling it with the next thing. There's just so much value in creating space for yourself, whatever that means to you, you know. And I think we all know, kind of intuitively, hey, like my life's a little clogged up with media and you know some of the bad habit things that we can get into these loops of bad habits and things and then when we clear that out and we get some space things happen you know but it's not always easy to take that space right oh it's really hard but what people don't realize is that 
your day is just one big routine. It's one big rhythm. So if, if we sleep on average eight hours a day and we're working eight to 10 hours by the time you commute and get ready for work, that's 18 hours out of the day. That's 75% of your day is just a routine that you live over and over. And then that other 25%, you know, that's filled with dinner, maybe working out for an hour. And then the average American watches, what, four hours of TV a night? <laughs> before you know it, <laughs> it's amazing. But before you know it, your day is the same one over and over. And you've not made any time for you to um, explore your passions and your creativity and who you really are. Yeah. How did you make space for yourself like when you were working a full-time job in that way? One of the things that I used to do is I'd carry around uh, a journal. I'd, I called it my happiness journal. And I, I realized that there's this routine to my life. So anytime that I would have a happy conversation or I did an activity that made me happy, I'd write it down in my journal, whether it was immediately or at the end of the day. So I was collecting happiness is kind of the way that I saw it. And then over time, I had a list of all these things that made me happy that fit within my routine. So once I had my my happiness collection, I would then you know magnify and like focus on prolonging that happiness throughout the course of my day. Um, that was something that I did for a little bit to to try to incorporate more happiness instead of trying to force a new hobby or this new thing into my routine that was never going to fit that I would drop after two or three weeks. Right. Just like, hey, let me figure out what makes me happy and then just do that. (laughs) It was a simple formula, but you need to have an awareness around what that means. What do you what do you define as making you happy, right? Like by having that writing exercise or whatever kind of forces you to sort of identify those things that you can incorporate, which is a really cool way to approach it. And once you find your happiness, it's about figuring out how to prolong it. Like you've identified the happiness, now make it last longer the next time you do it. You mentioned kind of looking at things as chapters in a way. Chunking out your life in that way, I mean, whether you do it intentionally or not, I do think it's a healthy mindset because it's very easy to get to take a look at like this, try to look at life in a linear way. You can think of it as this linear thing. Oh, I live, live, live. And then I, then I don't live anymore, right? Building a career, which is fine, whatever anybody wants to do, whatever makes you happy. If that's something that is part of your, what do you say, happiness collection, then you do that. But if the, if it goes the other way and it's an extended time where you're like, you know what, I'm not happy, I'm not learning that much. And then like making the decision to stay on that for way beyond when you know your intuition is telling you you shouldn't be on that track anymore or whatever. I mean, I just think when you kind of take the mindset of, chunks and chapters to me it kind of relieves the pressure of like the big picture stress type thoughts that can come in right like am i going to be able to make enough money is this like a thing that i'm going to be able to do for the rest of my life it's like well no this is the thing i'm doing like i'm going to ride a bike across the country and this is the thing i'm going to do for the next three months and then after that doesn't mean you don't plan it all ahead but i just feel like it's a healthy way to approach things personally yeah and jason yeah, and if, and if you think about it, by by doing different things in your life, you're making your life longer. If you work the same job for 40 years and every week looks more or less the same, have you lived 40 years or did you just live the one week? Whereas when you do different things, 
you know, each year, each five year, five years, you're, you're actually making your life longer. You know, if, if you think back, like in the past, we only remember what 10% of the things that have happened in the past. It's because the other 90% is probably a routine that just kind of gets clumped together with, with that activity. That's great, man. I, I had not thought of it that way. The theory of travel-tivity or something. I don't know. You're somehow bending time <laughs> in your favor. It's, uh, it's cool. No, it's so true, though. I had not thought of it that way. Just kind of what living the same routine for that long can do to, to time. Or like you said, like extending your life in a way. It's the same amount of time, but is I mean, we're all perceiving things in different ways. So, I mean, that's why I think people can say like, oh, I feel like I've lived like this many lifetimes in this amount of time. Well, because you kind of have in a way, right? Yeah. Being on the Camino de Santiago gives one an opportunity to have these thoughts. And the same goes for any form of slow travel. Uh, when you free up your day to think, um, you're able to put your life in perspective and kind of start to steer your life in a direction that, that allows more happiness to come into your life for you to to lengthen your life and to experience more of this this amazing place that we live in that we really don't know what it is <laughs> well yeah what are you thinking about right now you're coming off the camino today yeah you know one of the things that i think a lot about is like you know what what would my life project be if i had to you know, write something down today saying, all right, this is this is the meaning of my life. This is what I'm going to work towards. And this is how I'm going to accomplish it. And when I go on these these long journeys, that's something that kind of just keeps coming to me. Um, and part of that is to give back to to help others get to the point where I'm at now that I've kind of broken free. You know, I, I, I still work throughout the school year and teach. But I've I've been able to free up time to to adventure and see the world. Um, but how does that incorporate into my life project? You know, if wh why are we here and what do I want to leave behind? And whether that's physical or something for for my family or just improving, you know, this world that we live in and, and helping um, our race evolve to whatever it's supposed to be, which, which I don't think any of us will ever know in our lifetime. I think uh, we all have these types of moments and we have that time to process it. It can be scary in a way, right? Like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I on the right path? But uh, in the end, it all seems to... You know, big picture. One of the things I think about is like, what is the meaning of life? I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot. And the best that I've been able to come up with is there's three things in life um, that are going to help us evolve. Like we're here to evolve. We don't know what we're going to evolve to, but that's, that's our role as individuals. And those three things are reproduction, happiness, and learning. Those three tools enable us to evolve to whatever this you know, ultimate being or place that we're supposed to go. And I, I'm currently single, you know, I, I don't have kids. So I think all right, that's, that's one of the three I'm, I'm, I've ruled out reproducing for, for the time being. So if, if I'm going to have a purpose, um, to, to help 
you know, us evolve, it's going to be through happiness and through learning. And you know, that's something that I hope to pass along through my books. What are you teaching right now in Spain or what's your kind of main gig right now? Yeah. So there's this really cool program in Spain. It's called the Cultural Ambassador Program. And the EU employs 3,000 uh, native English speakers throughout Spain. So I'm I, I work as a cultural ambassador, and basically I teach English um, in a public school. I teach bilingual uh, science of all things <laughs> because my Spanish is it's average, um, but it's 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 a it's been a good experience because I've been able to to pick up some some Spanish and also. Um, to you know, teach English to to the to the kids. Um, but what's cool about the program is it gives you a visa for the year, healthcare, and a salary that basically covers your 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 rent and basic food needs. So it's 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 enabled me to to move abroad uh, and to minimize the amount of time that I work. I work twelve hours a week and I get four months off on the summer. Yeah, this is one of those things I think. I'd say a little bit under radar, but there are programs like this out there. I've heard of a few things throughout interviews on this podcast. It's just like, wow, that sounds like a really incredible program for somebody that wants to have a cultural experience in Spain or, you know, other countries have different versions of that. Um, but how, like, how did you find out about that? Or do you have any advice for people looking for different types of programs like that? I found out about this program while cycling across the United States. Okay. I was, uh, see everything ties in together. <laughs> it all ties back to travel, right? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, seriously so though, like I, you don't find out about these things till you go on the journey. Yeah. I told myself when I left to cycle across the United States that the path would reveal itself. Like I, I, I didn't have a job waiting for me. I didn't really think I wanted to get back into the wine industry so I took off cycling and I had this intuition to start applying for jobs abroad because I'd always wanted to live abroad. I'd been saving to do this and getting the visa was my big hurdle. So I just started applying to jobs all around the world. You know, I just searched online and I came across this program and um, applied for it. And you know, a month or two later, they sent me an offer to start working in three months. So just about the time I was finishing my my bike ride across the United States, I moved to Spain and I've been living here for the last two years now. How do you like life in Spain? I really like Spain. It's there's a ton of history. The social life here is so much different than the United States. People here, you know, they they really work to free up time and to, you know, they they work to live. I know it sounds cliche, but and that's really how they live life. And you know, people here it seems like they they value friendships more. Um, and you know, this is all on an individual basis. It's it's hard to generalize, but um, and, and you're just surrounded by history all the time. So I, I live in Malaga, Spain, and I walk out my front door, and there's you know two castles overlooking the city. I'm on the Mediterranean. There's Roman ruins littered throughout the city. And all of the streets are white marble. You know, it's like, how did I end up here? I, I grew up in, in corn country in southern Illinois, and now I'm living in one of the oldest cities in the world. Man, I wish I could come down there and visit you. We'll see. You're, you're welcome anytime, Jason. <sighs> Thank you. Let's talk about the Franklin 
Fi series that you wrote, uh, that you're working on while bicycling across Europe. Do you want to just share a little bit about, you mentioned your books, wanting to make an impact. Share what you're doing, man. I've had this idea to write a personal finance book for years, but I never really found like the angle to write it. I, I started it um, a couple times and I'd get to like page 15 and I'd be bored by writing this textbook style personal finance book. And for whatever reason, I came up with this idea to make it fun. So if you think back to your high school teachers or your college professors, the ones that you remember always incorporated fun in the message. Um, so I came up with this idea to write a personal finance novel um, that was an adventure, that was exciting, that was a comedy, and that would teach um, the reader all of the mistakes that I've learned over the last 20 years. So the, the basic concept of the book is to demystify personal finance, to de- demystify investing in the stock market. Because you know, throughout, throughout my life, I've always had people say, well, Shane, how do I invest? How do I get started? And I would give them some advice, but it didn't seem like it would ever catch on because there is nothing for them to turn back to and say, all right, I've learned this lesson. What's the next lesson I'm going to learn? Um, so by writing the Franklin Fi series, um, it's telling my story in a fun and entertaining way. And it's fiction. So, you know, I, I can elaborate and and, and make make more of a story and make it more of an adventure than, than my life. <laughs> nice. And you wrote it while you're bicycling across Europe, which I think is super cool. Like what a cool creative project to have yeah. kind of on the side. Yeah. What I would do is I would cycle you know, from seven or eight in the morning until like three in the afternoon in the hottest time of the day from three until six, I would sit in a cafe somewhere across Europe and work on these books. That's sweet, man. Uh, well, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you for some financial advice because, I mean, <laughs> come on. And travel and money, I mean, money's the big thing. One of the biggest things I hear, probably the biggest thing when I ask people, what what is your struggle around travel? What, you know, what are some of the things that are preventing you from traveling? And money, money, money. So uh, it's a deep subject, of course, right? But at the same time, I know there are some tips you can offer, so I wanted to hear some of them. Yeah, I think in the simplest form, this is kind of more personal development. I think it's important that we identify what we're asking for in life. If we're asking to travel, identify that. So ask for something. So now that you have a vision, you have to figure out um, a way or a process to track you know, your, your vision. So if you want to you know, cycle across Europe, figure out how much money it's going to cost. And that's, that's your end goal. Now come up with a system to start tracking your progress on a daily basis. Um, it's something that's not the best answer, but you know, with my personal finance life, I started saving to live abroad probably 15 years ago. And I started running my financial life as a like a personal corporation or a human corporation, I'd see my life uh, as a publicly traded stock. And I came up with a system to track my financial progress month after month um, in order for me to get to the place that I wanted to be, which is you know living abroad um, somewhere around the world. So I, I think it's important that you you identify, you ask, 
uh, you find a way to track and then you have to surrender to the process. You have to um, surrender to fear. You have to be able to listen to the criticism, but let that criticism just pass through you. Um, you just really have to open up to the process and and make your vision become a reality. Have you had to change any of your mindset around money? Like, I think one thing that I learned by reading books about money and things like that that I didn't really think about too much until I started digging into it was generating an awareness around how I think about money, essentially. And because I, I really do believe the way you think about money has a big impact on your ability to earn it, save it, all these different things. What are your thoughts around that? We all have a relationship with money from very early ages, you know, from age five or six, when we're old enough to realize that you want to, you know, buy this toy from, from the store and you ask your mom from it, that's when your relationship with money begins. And so many of us have a really bad relationship with money. You know, if we're in debt, we don't think about how much money we're spending because we're kind of embarrassed by it and we don't even want to see you know, how far behind we are. Um, one of the, the realizations that I came to with money is that money is time. So if you, if, if you attend college and you take out $40,000 in student loans, you don't owe $40,000 in student loans. You owe 10 years of your life to pay that off. So anytime you're taking out these debts, whether it's for a new car, um, for a 30-year mortgage, or to go to college, you know, you're subtracting time away from your life um, to, to grow as an individual and to you know, find your passions and to become the person that you're really set out to be or meant to be. I really like the way you think about time, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it does seem to circle back to that. You know, the relationship with money, how that impacts your time and what the choices you make financially are going to do to your time because you can always make more money, can't make more time, right? Well, I guess you can. That's if you live different chapters, right? You said you can create more time. But <laughs> no, you know what I mean, though. That's a great way to kind of circle back and tie things in because ultimately, well, money and time are always the big challenges with travel when, when I hear. So if you can figure out ways to manufacture those for yourself, then you are going to be able to travel as much as you want, really, with all the caveats that are should be implied. Like not everybody comes from a country where they can travel or can, you know, can afford it and things like that. But if you're listening to this podcast on an iPhone or something then you're probably disqualified from that group. <laughs> <laughs> but I like your, um, your kind of take on location independence. That ties into, you know, time and money as well. Like, you know, yes, I worked a career and I was trading time for money. I was earning active income. And now that I'm living abroad, yes, I'm still working part-time as a teacher, but I'm starting to develop um, these other forms of passive income, like, you know, becoming an author or blogging or being a podcaster or investing in real estate. As I grow with this process, I start to learn ways to use my money to free up more time instead of just trading time for money over and over. Yeah. And those can be difficult decisions to make, of course, in terms of like, can be the paralysis analysis, can be, you know, so many options. I don't know what to choose. 
you got to choose something that can bring a lot of value to everybody's life that wants to travel, that starts to look at things from an abundance perspective where it's like, all right, what are some, yeah, I'm trading time for money now, my job or whatever, but what are some of the things that I could create that can start maybe adding income streams or different things to my life that not only make me happy, but can challenge me and can also potentially create new, let me say passive income streams. I mean, I don't know if there's truly passive income because there's always stuff to do, you know, but not a trading time for money type of situation. So we could go deep on money. Maybe we need to do another podcast for that. You need to gather as much information as possible. This comes down to being a doer and not a warrior, not a complainer, not a doubter. Um, you know, learn how other people have have saved money and budgeted, and then come up with your system. You know, and like my the books that I've written, the, it provides the system that I've learned and that's enabled me to to break free from the nine to five. And there's parts of that that will help a lot of people, but it might not work for everybody. Uh, you know, I've, I've read hundreds of, of personal finance and finance books, and I've taken just bits and pieces from each one to, to come up with my own system. And of course, any of your personal experience and your education and yep. that will, all that together creates a unique take. And that's, what's beautiful about, that's why I always encourage people like don't don't ever think that like you don't have something important to say because everybody's unique and everybody has their own unique experiences yeah. to bring to something. Just because the topic has been covered before doesn't mean you can't cover it in a unique way. And you certainly have found a way to do that with this financial adventure, <laughs> which is really cool. Learning is happiness. You know, learning provides purpose in life. And anytime that I'm learning, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm doing something worthwhile with my life. And that usually leads to happiness. There's definitely times when you're learning something that you, you might not want to be learning a topic and you know it's worthless. But like when I'm learning on my time and the things that I'm passionate about, usually that leads to happiness. And, you know, anytime that I feel like um, I've lost direction, I, I go back to books, I go back to reading or I go back to listening to podcasts. There's, there's so many different ways in, in 2019 to, to acquire knowledge. One of the greatest pleasures of this day and age is that we have so much access to information. It's just a matter of us making the choice to curate the right information and put feed our brains the right things, right? Things that get us excited, things that get us excited about learning, helping us you know do the things that we want to do. And now... You're an author and you're writing these books and you're contributing in that way. So that congratulations. And you want to just share with everybody where they can find your stuff, check you out, your books, everything. So you can find The Franklin Fi uh, on Amazon by Shane Dillon, D-I-L-L-O-N. And I am on Instagram and on Twitter at thefranklinfi.com. I believe that's it. I'm on Facebook a little bit, but I'm more of an Instagram and Twitter guy. <laughs> nice, Shane. It was a pleasure chatting with you. I feel like we have to have more of a conversation at some point. I do want to do it in person. I really want to do yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. I say that people hear me say this at the end of every interview. I'm like, get like, man, I mean, less except the ones that I'm doing in person, of course, but <laughs> uh, it would be a great thing to... Uh, you live in Norway. Norway is a phenomenal country. I I was lucky to Lofoten Islands up north oh, yeah. last summer. Oh man. 
beautiful, supposedly. I haven't been. Oh my God. It's, it's right up there with Patagonia. Those are the two mm. most beautiful places I, I've ever been to. Ah, putting it back on the, I mean, it's always been on the list, but I got to, I got to reprioritize my travel list now again, once again, after every conversation, <laughs> that's another thing I have to say. Oh man, here we go. I got to do some rearranging here. Well, no, I appreciate your time, especially after an arduous hike on the Camino de Santiago to uh, come in and uh, take time to do this interview, man. I really appreciate it. And thanks so much. Let's stay in touch. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your time, Jason. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're making a difference. And you, you definitely changed my life and been an inspiration over the years. Thanks so much, Shane. I appreciate that. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Bye. There you have it, my conversation with Shane. Hope you enjoyed listening in on it. I loved the fact that he was just hopping off the Camino de Santiago to talk to me. <laughs> you never know when you interview these travelers where they're going to be or what they're doing. And I'd love to come down and visit him sometime. So Shane, if you're listening, let's make that happen. Thanks so much for all the wisdom you dropped on our chat that had me thinking once again about time and how maybe... We have a little more power to manipulate it than we thought. And this goes back to a story I wanted to tell you that I mentioned at the top of the show, my wife having this conversation with this 95-year-old woman in the city the other day where we live. Before we get into that, I just want to say one quick last thank you to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. Zero to travel.com slash Tortuga will take you to a page where you can see all the backpacks and travel gear I recommend from them. And you can get 10% off with the promo code TRAVEL. Just enter the word TRAVEL when you check out to get 10% off. And no matter how long you're traveling, no matter what your body type, no matter what type of traveling you're doing, they have a pack for you. So I really encourage you to check out their stuff. No need to waste a bunch of time trying to find the perfect travel backpack because I'm giving you the link right now. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. 10% off just by entering the word TRAVEL when you check out. And thanks to them and thanks to you. If you grab anything over there, you'll also be supporting my podcast. I'm an affiliate for them. So thanks so much. Now, when my wife told me this story and she said this woman who was 95 years old was talking her off, telling her all about her life, which I can imagine at that point in your life, if you live to be 95, you probably have a lot of friends and family who have passed away, if not all of them. Maybe you're alone. You meet somebody nice out there on the street. You want to tell them a bit about your life, right? And she got to hear about this woman's life. And one of the things she heard or she learned is that this woman spent 14 years living in Washington, D.C. And she's a Norwegian. She was living in the D.C. area for 14 years. And it got me thinking back to the theme of this show, which is time. Because when I heard that, I said to my wife, well, it's a pretty long time to be living in the States, but in comparison to being 95 years old, it's really not that much. It sounds like a really short part of her life, right? She's 95. She spent 14 years in Washington, D.C. Oh, that's like a chump change, you know? It's like pocket change there, 14 years, but it's 14 years at the same time. 14 years of your life. I mean, think about 14 years ago, whatever age you are now, to now, how much you've done, how long that's taken in some ways, how short it may seem in some ways. This is what I mean about bending time. It's this fluid, malleable thing that we can never grab, we can never hold, we can never really truly understand, I don't think. But 
this just got me thinking about big picture thinking because if you're planning on doing some traveling or making a big change in your life or any of the things that we want to do and we're taking that overview shot of our life with the bird flying above our life looking at it and you may live to be 95 we don't know but is spending a year to travel or spending two years to write a book or spending five years to make a documentary film or any of these things that you may or may not want to do insert whatever dream you have there is it really that much time? In real time, it might seem like a lot of time. What do you mean? I'm going to spend three years on this project? This is insane. But if you live to be 85, three years is nothing. This is really a wonderful way to keep things in perspective and to not get all worked up over some of these big decisions we make, right? We can hem and haw. Or should we quit our jobs and travel around the world for a year? Should we sell our apartment and move to another part of the city? <laughs> That's the conversation I'm having with my wife right now. And we are hemming and hawing. But look, is it that big a deal, really? Not really. It's just a change. You make a decision, you roll with it. And when you get that big picture mentality and you look at time from the big picture, you realize what seems like a huge time commitment can be quite small relatively speaking. And that can change the way you think about a decision. Now, I'm not sure what decisions are on the table for you. I don't know if that changes it for the better or for the worse, but I'm throwing this idea out there. Maybe it's another way to think about things. Whenever this is hitting your ears, whatever you're considering, try to look at it through that lens. See if that changes anything for you. It just may give you a new insight into some decision that you're making. I don't know. Who knows? But, I well, I can know. If you let me know, drop me an email, jason at zero to travel.com. I'm right here, guys. I'm right here. I'm talking into this microphone. This isn't a one-way conversation. This is a community-powered show. I'm here for you, my friends, and I love to hear from listeners. So if you haven't taken the time to reach out, let me know. Let me know if you start bending time in your favor after listening to this show or if any of the ideas presented here change things for you in some way or just drop me a line and let me know where you're at, what you're up to, where you listen to the show. I love to get pictures from people where they're listening. I've gotten pictures from people listening somewhere while well, the sun's setting on their walk, on the cliffs of California, on bus rides in Asia. I've gotten all kinds of great pictures from listeners. And if you have time and you feel so inclined, I'd love to hear from you. So please do that. And I want to give a quick shout out to somebody in the community. This is a community-powered show, as I said. So uh, I love to highlight members of the community and what they're up to. And I got this message from Nick. He said, Hi, Jason. I've been a part-time listener of the Zero to Travel podcast for about six months now. My listenership is really starting to increase. I'm just emailing to say your podcast is the only reason I look forward to running. And for a guy who used to hate running, that's saying something. I hear you, Nick. I was out on a run today. I'm trying to get back into it. I need, I need some entertainment when I run. I, I need something to push me through to take my mind off of the, the pain. <laughs> anyway, he goes on to say, my girlfriend and I are heading on a six-month worldwide trip sometime next year, and we are beyond excited. As 21-year-olds, this is a huge stress because we've never done anything like this before. It's a lot of organizing, and we also, in my mind, don't have the funds for it. Beyond these stresses, I can't stop thinking about dropping everything and going. So I wanted to say thanks for the podcast and keep it up. Hopefully, I can buy you a coffee in Norway sometime in 2020. Well, 
Thanks, Nick. And if you do pass through, please, I'd love to meet up with you uh, here. It's always nice to meet up with people here. Uh, and that goes for anybody. If you pass through here, let me know. And good luck on your trip, Nick. I'm sure it's going to be a blast. Now, before I let you go, I'm going to leave you with a quote. Of course, it's got to be related to time. This is from Martha Trolley Curtin, who said, Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next time. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.